On April 8, 1994, world-renowned rock star and Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain was found dead at his Seattle home at age 27, forever solidifying his place in the morbidly celebrated 27 Club. Authorities quickly labeled the death a suicide. However, 28 years after his death, many people are still pushing to reopen the case. Was it a hurting celebrity's only way out or murder? That's this week on Death and Entertainment. Live from Los Angeles. 911, what is your emergency? Here in Hollywood now. Two counts of murder, injury, and death. Oh my God! Shocking new details that has stunned the entertainment world. Um, this makes me a little nervous. The hair stood up on my arms. Just like in the movies. <gasps> what do you call this thing anyway? Death in entertainment. Hello, hello, everybody. Oh, man. How are we doing today, guys? We, hey, now. <laughs> we are good. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Death in Entertainment. My name is Kyle Plouffe. My name is Mark Mulcairin. And I'm Alejandro Dowling. If you haven't heard us before, Death in Entertainment is Los Angeles's, the world's, the universe's newest true crime comedy podcast. So if you guys don't want brevity with your true crime, you might want to skip this one. You don't want brevity with your identity, then get lost. You're (laughs) in the wrong place, buddy. (laughs) And more than true crime, might I add, it's also true stories. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We we have a fact-finding process in which we work for hours and hours painstakingly (laughs) to come up with the timeline, the world, the history, and then finally the death of whatever individual we're working on that week. Yes. And this episode is covering... Mr. Kurt Cobain, and also this episode is taking us all the way to April 8th, 1994. Um, well, what was going on around this time was uh, movies released this week of April 8th. Uh, one of them is Thumbelina. That was like Disney something or other? Yeah, ish. Ish? I don't know if it was officially Disney, but it was definitely a kids animated movie. Yeah. It no, looked- it wasn't Disney. It was that dude that branched off and started his own animation Pixar? division. No. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Katzenberg? No. <laughs> <laughs> Poor man's Pixar. Oh. He also did movies like a troll. Like tro- a bootleg Pixar? Do you remember a troll in Central Park? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I remember uh, th- that. Like those kind of movies. Another movie that came out around this time is Major League Two. Um, my only story about this is I was in a film class one time studying, and, studying Major League Two. No, in like <laughs> shot for shot analysis. <laughs> yeah, as you do. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's that's what made me want to get into film was Major League Two. No, some guy he was like we were supposed to write down our five favorite movies and he wrote down Major League Two and he basically got laughed out of the fucking classroom. <laughs> it was very sad actually. Also, speaking of sequels that are weird, Leprechaun 2 came out around this time, too. Yeah, this is uh, pretty much the the year and month of, and the week of the sequel. Yeah. Major League 2, Leprechaun 2. I like when they did the Leprechaun in the hood, and he was talking to Ice-T, who was also in the movie. Yeah. He goes, a friend with weed is a friend indeed. <laughs> but a friend with gold is better, I'm told. Oh, That's yeah. That's how that ends. <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a smash hit. That they made Leprechaun back to the hood. Back to the miners, yeah. (laughs) With Um, the number two (laughs) instead of T-O. Another (laughs) sequel comes out around this time, White Fang 2. If you didn't get enough White Fang in one, we got more in two here. We got another (laughs) wacky adventure. Yeah. 
And then the last one, not my favorite, uh, Clifford. Clifford, friend Whoa. of the podcast. Oh, <laughs> not my friend, friend of the yeah. show. Friend yeah. of the show, Clifford. Some people on the show enjoy this. Orion movie. Pictures' last movie. Yeah. Kyle. <laughs> it finished him off. I love yeah. that. <laughs> Kyle and I think this is a great movie. Yeah, one of okay. the classic comedies of the I remember we were all nobody hang- knows. We were hanging out one time. You guys put it on. I'm like, I'm aware of this movie, but you guys go on and enjoy it and, you know. Yeah. Kiss each other. If you We're want like, to. look at this scene. <laughs> <laughs> He's putting on lipstick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This movie um, actually came out the day that Kurt Cobain's body was found. Yeah. Clifford. Um, oh, might it have caused <laughs> just a coincidence? Uh, we'll get into those. Yeah. Theories. Well, if if that's the case, and I agree with Co- Cobain, everything that he's done. A couple other pop culture events of note in 1994: Nancy Kerrigan was attacked. Why? By Tanya Harding or Tanya Harding's goons. Goons. That's been well documented recently. They did the movie and stuff, yep. and there was a documentary about it. Netscape Navigator launched. Didn't they just shut it down this week? Or that well, that was Internet Explorer, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah I think that was Microsoft. Yeah, their Microsoft. Old stuff. Yeah, I haven't been in the know on that. <laughs> no, they just shut it down. Yeah, no why? One, no one uses it anymore. Really? Everyone used Chrome and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Chrome or Firefox. Yeah, or Safari. O.J. Simpson took a spin in a white Bronco. Oh, where was he going? (laughs) (laughs) To Brentwood. He's going to Gelson's? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To friend of the show, Brentwood. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There was one more thing I wanted to mention around this time, the weather. I looked at the, uh, the Almanac. For what's going on? They had weather in 1994. That, that affects that affects people's mindsets, and oh, I yeah. think Seattle's a very uh, dark and kind of dreary place. And sure enough, it was cloudy as fuck that day, with a high like in the mid 60s, and um, very humid. So just a FYI, yeah, hmm. it is a gloomy place a lot of the time of the year. Yeah, it is. And with that, in gloom. And hello, hello, Alejandro's here. All right, a little quick background on this story. Kurt Cobain, he was born in Aberdeen, Washington on February 20th, 1967. His parents were married and quickly divorced as they only got married because his mother got pregnant, which is a very common thing. That's a very romantic way to do it, yeah. Very Irish Catholic engagement <laughs> it right is. there. He was Irish, too. I think Ireland claims him, too. Oh, yeah, uh, they might. Yeah, they do a little bit. Yeah. Um, they claim a lot of things. They do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like Boston, like people that stayed there for one weekend. He started out here. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> they saw it on a map one yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> they also claimed Matthew Broderick's BMW. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, his mother gave custody to his father after they divorced. Um, Kirk kind of had a stereotypical childhood you'd think a rock star would have. His parents were divorced. He did drugs uh, and drank early. He was poor, and his uncle gave him a, a guitar at age 14. Um, a publication said about his drug use at, at age 13, said, uh, which in some countries is normal. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah, 13. in Scotland. Well, I don't know about drugs, but, <laughs> <laughs> but drinking in Scotland, like, that, that's that's a late start right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a famous thing in Europe. If you were lucky enough to go somewhere with your parents or family, like, anywhere else but here basically sure like you got to have a drink 
Yeah. You got to enter a bar before you were 18, 21. Yeah. My buddy Derek actually was just telling me about how he went to Scotland when he was in the military in the 80s. And he was at a bar. And then all of a sudden, these kids who were playing cricket in the park next door came over. They were barely taller than the bar. And the bartender just pouring them drinks. Yeah. They can take like a half pint. Then they go back out running, playing cricket again. Yeah. And... Derek's like, what is going on? And the guy looks at him and is like, uh, yeah, we don't have alcoholism alcoholism here because <laughs> they start so young. So it's just like they learn how to drink and yeah, that's that. I have a half a beer. I feel like I'm not going. I got to finish this off tonight. I'm going to be drinking until <laughs> 3 a.m. <laughs> uh, Kurt dropped out of Aberdeen High School and formed a band with Dale Crover, who would go on to be in the Melvins. The band name? Fecal Matter. Nice. Not well, as catchy as Nirvana. No. <laughs> that's all you're thinking about when you're a kid. You know about shit and about your, your dick, and that's it. Yeah. It was like a goofy cover band that they pretty much did, just like a bunch of rock that they liked. Yeah. Um, Fecal Matters demo actually ended up in the hands of Chris Novoselic, who was an acquaintance of Kurt's at the time, and the two formed a band that would later be known as Nirvana. I saw that guy, Novoselica, at a Italian restaurant in Ventura. Oh, really? Yeah, and he, like... He looks rough. He looked rough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He he was eating for three. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the poor guy, out of the three members, he had the receding hairline. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he grew it out really long, so he couldn't tell as much. Uh, But now he just looks like a a regular stepdad that plays on a bowling team somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say you saw him live. No, But then you're like, oh, I saw him, you know, down the street. Yeah, he was just, it was weird because he was at this nice Italian restaurant with two women on either side of him. Hell yeah. But they weren't like at a table, like talking to each other. They were all on the same side sitting. It was weird. Like they were presenting themselves. Like they were royalty (laughs) of this Italian restaurant. Fetch me some mead. Yeah. Well, how many people in the world can say they were a member of Nirvana? Uh, Three total. Actually, (laughs) four. Well, yeah. Three we're that t- are still alive. Pat Smear, yeah, too. Pat yeah. Smear. Yeah. You're still counting Pete Best? <laughs> <laughs> no, Brian Jones. <laughs> Brian Dunkelman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nirvana became such a smash hit that Kurt ended up resenting it. They became the biggest rock band in the world, and within a matter of years, Kurt wanted out. So we are jumping right into the events. Yeah, you made it sound like it was a, a talkie in the 1930s. Nirvana was a smash, smash. success. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and everybody was clamoring <laughs> to see more. <laughs> the glitz, the glamour, <laughs> the overdoses in the hotel rooms. <laughs> the, the, uh, the war effort in uh, Iraq was going on hot strong. <laughs> Come home soon, boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so here we go, jumping into the events that led to his death. On January 12, 1990, Nirvana was playing a small show at a club in Portland, Oregon called the Satyricon. A friend of the opening band was in the crowd, her name being Courtney Love. Oh, my God. Woo. They met, and the rest is toxic relationship history. Courtney and Kurt were married on February 24, 1992 on Waikiki Beach in Hawaii. Wow, that's actually a nicely romantic place. I thought they would have got married in like Skid Row somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the back alley yeah, of some CBGB like club. Yeah, yeah, then they're in Disneyland. You know, like, wait a second. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they dressed as Minnie and Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> well, pretty much. He dressed in uh, pajamas, so they might have been Mickey Mouse pajamas. We don't yeah. know. Um, only eight, eight guests were invited, one of which was Dave Grohl, who was the drummer for Nirvana at the time, and he's the current frontman of the Foo Fighters. A lot of young people, even in their early 30s, don't know that Dave Grohl was the drummer for Nirvana. What? Really? Yes. I've talked to people who are like 28, 29, 30, and I had to explain it to them like, Dave Grohl was the Travis Barker of Nirvana. Yeah. <laughs> he crashed in a plane and almost died with DJ Am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Another episode. Uh, but oh, I saw David Grohl also in the Valley, not far off of uh, Ventura, where he, um, he was doing a benefit uh, barbecue show in which he brought a big smoker, and he was uh, smoking meat at this uh, dive bar. Oh, and that's where you almost fought Nick Lachey? That's true. <laughs> 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 Moving on. So are you ever going to see any of these guys actually on a stage? <laughs> uh, that's a good point, yeah. They're always doing weird stuff. A weird piece of music lore is the first Foo Fighters concert ever was held at the Satyricon, the place where Kurt and Courtney met, um, which is like just weird. It's like they met there and then he dies and then Dave goes on to form a new band and the first concert is at that place. Yeah. Creepy. Hmm. All the transitions in the history of these people's lives is, are taking place at this one yeah. show. Yeah, and you said CBGB's, um, the Satyricon was actually called the C uh, West Coast CBGB's. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So they get married uh, in 1992. Less than six months later, their daughter Frances Bean is born on August 18th, 1992, which is some little math to do. She was probably already pregnant, and then they just did the same exact thing that Kurt's parents did and got married when they found oh, out she was pregnant. history repeating itself. Yes. So a little old-fashioned-ness. Yeah, exactly. Entered Kurt and Courtney's <laughs> relationship. They're like, Let's, we have to do the honorable thing. Yeah. I know, yeah. I thought these people were like, you know, uh, natural-born killers. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was the life they were living. But they're like, you know, he's making an honest lady out of Courtney Love. And like, <laughs> like, what? It's like the 50s or well, something. Yeah, well, that's how it started. Yeah. How it ended up. <laughs> Good luck with yeah. that. I know. Way. An honest woman, yeah. Yeah, did it stop her from uh, doing drugs when she was pregnant? No. What? Yeah, we're very lucky that uh, Frances Bean, I mean, there's no reports that she's like physically addicted to opiates or heroin, but... Um, that, Not at all. That is what happens when you do heroin while you're pregnant. My God. Or it can happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, life from the outside obviously seemed amazing. Um, he's got the family he wanted, he's got all the money in the world, and he's a worshipped rock icon. You'd think everything is coming up aces. But is it? But is it? And not even an icon, Nirvana, the moment they entered the scene, changed the entire music industry. Yeah, and I always wonder, like, he's like, oh, I hated this success. Like, he knew what he was doing with those songs. You know, he was putting together a really good rock and roll image with some really great poppy songs. And I think he's like, he knew he had uh, the equation to really, to be, make it you know, become a superstar. Yeah, but part of the... The, part, the fact that he was shocked at this, <laughs> like, come on. But the part of the rock star image is also being, like, the reluctant rock star. No, you're, I you're know. You're too cool for Yeah, for the I adulation. remember he did that Rolling Stone uh, photo shoot where he said, you know, corporate, um, you know, media still sucks. Or corporate magazine. Yeah, corporate magazine. Still yeah, sucks. More direct shot at That's them. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
But it destroyed the 80s hair metal bands. That was one big thing. Yeah, it got rid of like Def Leppard and like Poison, a lot of these Great bands. White. Great White, yeah. And we're still grateful, yeah. Kurt. Some Thank of them you. had it coming. <laughs> I think every movement like that was like that. You know, like the Ramones got rid of bands like Toto and big bands that were like, you know, getting way too much money, like Zeppelin and stuff like that. Yeah. And they just kind of broke rock and roll down to its 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 most purest kind of like pieces and then you know and then they got rid of those guys so. frankie avalon got rid of al jolson <laughs> 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 now you're losing me here. <laughs> all right let's get on with it <laughs> march 4th 1994 is the date of the infamous rome incident nirvana was on tour in munich germany uh kurt was diagnosed with severe laryngitis and bronchitis he was sent to rome for treatment where Courtney Love flew out to meet him. So he goes to Italy, which is the uh, first country that Death and Entertainment has broke the top 200 true crime podcast. Hell yeah. (laughs) Hopefully we're still in there. Oh, we are. We moved up to uh, 160-something this today. Ooh, my own, my own. Yeah. 160 today, 145 tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, 300 tomorrow. Yeah, we're, do- <laughs> we're By the way, guys, we're going to be moving there at some point. Yeah. Because we're going to be superstars there, and we're going to say, fuck you, Hollywood. Yeah. See you later. We don't care. Hello, Vatican. We go where we are wanted. <laughs> Rome also where Anthony Bourdain met Asia Argento. Yeah, True, so nothing yeah. but good things happen there. <laughs> yeah, so we could all meet our own Asia Argentos, and then within two years we'll be dead okay (laughs) that's all we asked for so courtney woke up in the hotel that they were sharing together at around 3 or 4 a.m to find kurt completely unresponsive she claims she found a suicide note that said he wrote that his doctor told him he would have to choose between life and death and he chooses death in entertainment (laughs) (laughs) he had a premonition (laughs) no but like because it was of his heroin use right well this one is different or was it just courtney in general (laughs) yeah this one is different because he was a known heroin and opiate abuser um and a benzo user but uh courtney claims that he took over 50 rohypnol pills and overdosed chasing it with champagne Oh, man. She called an ambulance at 6.30 a.m. So she found him between 3 and 4, found a suicide note, and waited at least two and a half to three hours to call an ambulance. Fuck. He was in a coma, but eventually survived. Um, When the ambulance came, they took him to the hospital. Uh, The Italian doctor that treated him in the ER uh, publicly stated that there was no evidence to support that he had taken 50 pills. And... What? It's crazy because he would never use Rohypnol. That was prescribed to Courtney. She took that all the time. There was uh, a, an interview she did with someone where she took a couple of Rohypnol pills and was just like, oh, yeah, it's just like value. Wait, isn't that the roofie date rape drug? What? The pills were prescribed to Courtney, not Kurt, and could have also easily been slipped into his drink without him knowing. Rohypnol is tasteless, colorless, and odorless, and when it's combined with alcohol, it leaves a person unconscious and open to abuse, which is why it's better known by its moniker, the date rape drug. Wait, so Courtney was raping Kurt. <laughs> is that what we're saying? Of his life, pretty uh, much. So she was like using these pills and stuff in order to control him, kind of? Well, this, we'll get into more of the theories later, but essentially people think it was her first attempt on his life. 
Wow. Because they weren't getting along. There were talks of a divorce and the fact that he told her he wanted custody of Francis. And so she was pretty much like, you ain't leaving me. That kind of makes sense, actually, because like he was a big superstar. He was a big rock star. You know, he was a a musical genius. Yeah. And she was she was still in the, you know, the 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 early stages of becoming her own rock star with Hole. Yeah. But like some people say, like he helped aptly named aptly (laughs) named the hole. She's sucking his life out of Um, the hole. She is. Yeah. (laughs) She's a hole. But yeah, but it makes sense though that she's like, you can't leave me. You know, it's it's you know, I'll be over. You know, I yeah. won't be as big of a star. You know, if you're not next to me. Yeah. Uh, when Kurt woke up after he was in a coma for 20 hours, he finally wakes up, and the first thing he did was he looked at Courtney and just wrote "fuck off" on a napkin. Oh my god! <laughs> so he suspected something was fishy yeah and he didn't have the energy to actually argue with her he just yeah fuck off. like yeah. he was confused he couldn't speak but he knew he hated her of course <laughs> <laughs> and why he knew one thing in this life yeah. why is the doctor prescribing courtney love roofies well at that time i don't know if it was really i think it was known later that you were able to do that to people but no. it was like an over not an over-the-counter it was a prescription for like anxiety and stuff no but ah. i bet you with her though she i've heard this about her she's a doctor shopper She'll go to like this doctor. Will you give me this? No. Okay, I'll go to this doctor. But I think she got in trouble later on. She's better than a, a doctor shopper. We'll talk yeah, about yeah. That. She she was involved with doctors. That but will I, come up later. I'll wait for that. Yeah. So after he writes "fuck off" on the napkin, um, he just goes to the hospital staff. He's like, "Can I have a strawberry milkshake, please?" Um, and that's the first thing he had. And he, when the doctor was talking to him, like, "What happened?" He had no recollection because yeah. that's what the date rape struggle do to you. You won't remember anything that happened. Mm-hmm. Um. So he doesn't know how he ended up in the hospital. But there was supposedly a suicide note that's never been seen by anyone except for Courtney. You know what I wonder? What do you wonder? Quick side note. Yeah. I wonder the food in an Italian hospital. You think it's good? You think they get like good oh, meat, meatballs probably, and, and marinara it's and stuff? better than Italian food <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. Better than that place I saw Chris Novoselic at with those yeah. weird girls. <laughs> yeah, one of the nurses comes over and asks if you want some parm cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's, got, she's got the really oversized, like, yeah, par, uh, Parmesan cheese. Parmesan cheese. Thing. Shredder yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some black pepper. Yeah, that's hooked up to your life support machine. Yeah. <laughs> you get scalding burns from the liquid cheese wheel that they're like <laughs> dipping onto your plate. <laughs> More people die from that from than anything else yeah. in that hospital. It's like we la- should have changed in the system here. It's like Lady in the Tramp. Yeah. <laughs> Nudgy meatballs. Yeah. Eating one big piece of uh, spaghetti from the other side. The, you're uh, the person in the room with you. <laughs> Except it's through a feeding tube. (laughs) (laughs) So during this time, Courtney and Kurt have just been fighting like crazy. Uh, Kurt has told Courtney multiple times he wants a divorce. And he actually, in the background, was in talks with his lawyer to take Courtney out of his will. So he was not in love with her. It's debated. It's like a love-hate relationship. He did. And even towards the end of his life, there was um, he left a voicemail on a journalist's um, voicemail saying like if you say anything bad about my wife I'm gonna I think he said I will harm you <laughs> right because yeah. she was a big fan of threatening journalists yeah 
still is. Yeah. And it inspired Kurt to do the same. Yeah. I think so. I think she was pushing him because I don't think that was really in his nature to really like, no. like go Harvey Weinstein on these like, you know, journalists and stuff and go crazy. I think he's just like a guy, let shit go. And, you know, if you write some weird story, I don't care. That was a classic. And I don't mean this offensively gun to the head kind of thing. Could have been. Yeah. Um, like I said before, Kurt loved his daughter more than anyone. Um, and he said he wanted custody of her, but he also wanted to step away from music. More than Nova Selig? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so even that spring, he he took it upon himself to cancel Nirvana's appearance at Lollapalooza, mm. which cost them millions of dollars. Millions? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that they paid that much. They were going to be the headliner. Yeah. Of course. You know, who who else would be the headliner? Fucking the, the Perry Farrell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smashing Pumpkins or yeah. Bush. Yeah, Perry Farrell <laughs> without Jane's addiction. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Solo. <laughs> yeah. So after all this stuff is happening, he's overdosing, going to the hospital. Um, it's at, and he's, you know, saying he wants a divorce, but he also wants custody, but he also isn't going to do music anymore. It's at this exact time that people believe Kurt became worth more dead than alive took took for Courtney for a lot of people he was a money machine that was printing a lot of money for a lot of different people so yeah that was a problem you just get the people with their hooks in you and then yeah you're working for them really and not really for yourself yeah. how so though how could anyone be worth more dead than alive if you are consistently producing good content well the but he's saying he's not going to produce content anymore he's done he canceled the concerts Who's going to believe that? You know, in a couple years, he's going to be back. No, but the people who killed him? I <laughs> <laughs> Question mark? We're getting into that, I feel like. But, like, most, like, big rock stars don't have these kind of hangers. They do, but they're, like, in control of everything. But I feel like Kurt lost the control, and he's letting these people. He's like a people pleaser. I heard that about him. Like, you know, the band would go uh, have pizza after, like, a rehearsal, and he would, like, even though he didn't want to go, he didn't want to let the guys down, so he'd go hang out with them and have a pizza with Dave and Chris and stuff. And like, yeah, he was just like that type of guy, but he wasn't like an alpha male dude where he's like, you know, I'm doing only thing for myself, you know? Yeah. The contrary. He was down to earth yeah. and really didn't feel part of the establishment. Down to earth mostly because he was passed out on the floor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was really down there. <laughs> All right. Let's keep going. March 18th, 1994. Courtney calls the Seattle police claiming Kurt was suicidal and locked himself in a room with a 38 special. The police show up and confiscate the guns in the home as well as some pills. Kurt told the police he locked himself in the room alone because Courtney was being abusive. Courtney later admitted she never saw Kurt with a gun and he wasn't, in fact, suicidal. What she did tell the police frantically that day is, quote, he's going to kill himself. He said he was going to leave me, which... Usually it's one or the other. Man, he's in a fucking... She must have considered leaving her as death. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think she... I think he threatened to leave her, and she was like, oh, God, I need to make sure I develop some sort of background here. Yeah. A history, if you will. She's yeah. doing that. Yeah. He's since, in a fucking pickle, dude. Since Rome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, around this time, Courtney told her attorney to find the, quote, meanest, most vicious divorce lawyer that you can find. 
because yeah. she's she's ready to go after that money. Well, I doubt they. She signed a prenup, so he's got like a lot of money, you know, going yeah. out the window. But I don't think he cares about that. I think it's more peace of mind for him. Yeah. So he was like, okay, fine, you know, get your, you know, fucking attack dog lawyer. I'll, you know, I'll take whatever you want. I just don't want to be around you anymore. Yeah. That would have been an- yet another thing that. Kurt Cobain would not have been interested in a big divorce battle. Yeah. Like right. he wouldn't, I couldn't see him like Johnny Depp sitting through that entire fucking thing for like <laughs> months at a time. Talking about shitting in beds. Yeah. 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 And it would have been that and worse, believe yeah. me. With Courtney Love, forget oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. That's his birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, exactly a week later, Courtney Love set up an intervention at their Seattle home where she threatened to leave him. And Pat Smear. Uh, of Nirvana and Foo Fighters and Chris Novoselic, the basis of Nirvana, and executives from his management and Capitol Records were like, all right, enough, you need to leave. So they kicked her out. And they're like, we're going to talk to him. So she flies to Beverly Hills for an outpatient uh, drug rehab program. For herself? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and She's like, I took too many of my own roofies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Sid and Nancy, but like, you know. They're going to Beverly Hills. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like Nancy and Nancy. Yeah, Nancy and She's Nancy. just this <laughs> driving destructive force, yeah. it sounds like. Uh, so the rest of those people stayed there and had a five-hour intervention with Kurt, where at first, um, Kurt didn't agree to any- anything, but then they got him to finally be like, okay, and they set him up and flew him out to the Exodus Drug Rehab clinic in Marina del Rey, California, as an inpatient, which means you stay there. Yeah. So Courtney was doing outpatient. She was able to leave back and, and forth. And go do whatever pills she wanted. Go to a hotel room <laughs> yeah. where she was partying at the time. Oh, my God. Yeah. While he's in rehab trying to get better. Yeah. What an example to set. And they have a young daughter. Where's the daughter? Well, being taken care of by the nanny. Oh, Jesus Christ. They have a live-in nanny and a traveling nanny. Um, we'll get more into them. Before he leaves, though, he's confiding in one of his friends that he's scared for his life and he wants to buy a shotgun, Um, but he didn't want to buy it himself. So he gave his friend $300 cash. His friend went to go buy it and was like, hey, why don't I hold on to this until you get back from rehab? And he was like, no, I need it for protection in my (laughs) home before I go. It's a good idea. So five days later, March 30th, 1994, Kurt checks into a rehab in L.A., that exodus in Marina del Rey, and was there for about 48 hours before he escaped climbed the wall, ran off to LAX, and flew back to Seattle. And the thing about that rehab center is the front doors were unlocked. Yeah. You could just walk out. Yeah. Yeah. Climbing the wall is a empty gesture. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. he's like in Mission Impossible here, but they're like, (laughs) like the people that work there just smoking in the back watching him climb over this wall. Well, one of the people (laughs) that was in uh, rehab with him said that they told him that story that some guy snuck out and jumped over the wall and the next day is when he did it so people think he was doing it to be like funny mm. but he's still uh, okay he was doing it. a bit yeah he was doing <laughs> a bit. i like how he's depressed suicidal <laughs> yeah. addicted to drugs and he's still thinking of bits <laughs> yeah of slaps and then he jumps on a plane at lax and just yeah. kind of, he carries himself on the outside <laughs> perhaps he was transitioning to be buster keaton could be Instead oh, of interesting. grunge front man. <laughs> That's a reference for the kids out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the kids today love Buster Keaton. Is that true? They can't get enough. Yeah. <laughs> so April 1st, 1994, Kurt lands back in Seattle. The next day, their live-in nanny, Michael DeWitt. So it's a male nanny. A, a, a manny? A manny, if you will. Yeah. Hey, uh, Mikey. So he sees Kurt and calls Courtney to be like, oh, shit, he's home. 
Courtney cancels the only credit card that Kurt, Kurt uses and justifies it by saying he won't be able to flee anywhere and she'll be able to track exactly where he's been because that was like the only card he used. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to be on her side for a second, that does sound, you know, all well and good. Uh, but back in the day, if you canceled a card, a lot of the statements, it would show up as an attempted charge with the company, but it wouldn't give the exact location. So there were attempts made on the card for days, and they weren't able to find where well, he they was were making denied. Them. But I, you wonder what some of those places are not electronic in like 1994. So they do the old thing where yeah. they just run it like that. Yeah, they give you that really bad receipt. Yeah, you know, with your signature. that you can never read. You can never read. Yeah, you just like, all right, I guess I got charged for that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, in fact, it made any attempt in locating him much harder. But the big question is, why would you need to locate him if the nanny already told you he was home? Yeah. You wouldn't. You'd know he's home. Yeah. So the next day, April 3rd, Courtney hires a private investigator named Tom Grant. She tells him Kurt has escaped from rehab but has no idea where he is. But you're saying that's bullshit. 24 hours before, the nanny said he was home. Yeah. And she knew. So she's constantly making things up and creating her own reality. Yeah. The next day, April 4th, Courtney Love calls the Seattle Police Department posing as Kurt's mother and files a missing persons report. She says that he just bought a shotgun and is suicidal. The police report says to contact Detective Terry in the Narcotics Division and because he has more info. It's never been reported what Detective Terry knew. Hmm. April 4th is also the last day Kurt was seen alive. Witnesses said he seemed fine. He was spotted at a local bar hanging out, and witnesses from his detox center from the week before uh, said he didn't look suicidal or appear suicidal at all. Really? Yeah. Uh, he was invited to a, a, a girl's party after um, being at the bar hangout, too, and he was just like, nah, and went home. And that girl, isn't she the last person that saw him alive uh, at that bar? Yes. Yeah. And, and this is within the Seattle suburbs or something? Yeah. Okay. It, Seattle proper. Seattle proper. Yeah. I also heard that before this, he went with a group of friends to see the movie The Piano in the theater. Yep. Really? He's a big uh, Harvey Keitel fan. Yeah. He's like, I want to see some <laughs> dick. <laughs> it was too much for him to handle seeing yeah. Harvey Keitel in the nude. Wait, he was nude in that too? Also, the piano? Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Why <laughs> yeah. does he get nude in so many fucking movies? No one's asking yeah, for this. Yeah, because it was such a big... I want to get fucking nude. Ooh. Ooh to use, yeah, he's, he's got, got a, a nice dick. <laughs> <laughs> to use Kyle's lingo, his dick in Bad Lieutenant was such a smash yeah. that he decided <laughs> yeah. to take the show on the road all, for the piano. The dick almost went smash. solo. It almost went solo, I heard. He's going to do an <laughs> off-Broadway show. Yeah. Kytel's dick. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't see that? Yeah, oh my God. Willem Dafoe as Harvey Kytel. <laughs> yeah. Willem Dafoe as Harvey Kytel's dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the Tony Award goes to... <laughs> you see Willem Dafoe in the audience like, yeah, yeah, come on, come on, come on, give me the, give me the fucking Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris. Ah! <laughs> yeah. He tried. Uh, he opened fire. Yeah. <laughs> he turns into an alien yeah. and flies away. <laughs> yeah, he's like a bat. He just kind of flies. He's away. like, I'm out of this shit. Hey, next year. 
So April 4th <laughs> is the last day that Kurt is seen alive. April 5th, Tom Grant is doing his due diligence. He calls the Seattle police and finds out that there's a missing persons report for Kurt that they filed the day before. So he went up there, flew immediately to Seattle, met up with Dylan Carson, who was one of Kurt's friends, um, and Dylan showed him all around the city to like his local haunts. <clears throat> they couldn't find him anywhere. They were also able to get inside Kurt's house and inspect the residence like head to toe. No trace of him anywhere, but the house was like very neat and clean. And Carson told Tom Grant that the house was the cleanest it's ever been. That that seems rare for those two, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like sitting it's Nancy like a, a very nice house. Yeah. yeah. What does that mean? Did somebody clean it? Yeah. It seems like. Like a professional? Like that was had oh, other motives. You're maybe hinting. That it was some sort of hitman. It's the cleanest it's ever been. That's all I meant. But hitmen aren't maids. No, but the, there are hitmen that have on retainer. They have maid services that come in to clean up after they do the deeds. Okay. Yeah. All right. I could see that. Yeah. So April sixth, the next day, um, Tom again inspects the home everywhere. Can't find any trace of Kurt. But this time, they find a note left behind by Michael DeWitt, the live-in nanny, saying he couldn't believe... A the Manny. Yeah, the Manny. <laughs> saying, like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe I saw you at home. Like, you know, leave me a note whenever you're back or whatever. Yeah. Um, still couldn't find him. Leaves. April 7th, Courtney overdoses in a Beverly Hills hotel room with one of the members of Hole that she had been sleeping with. And it's, <laughs> it's speculated that she planted a story in the Associated Press saying it was a suicide attempt to make it look like she and Kurt had, in fact, had a suicide pact. Oh, my God. She was released from the hospital two and a half hours later and arrested for possession of narcotics and possession of stolen goods, the stolen goods being a doctor's notepad to write prescriptions. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And her lawyer uh, said, oh, it wasn't for her to write prescriptions. In fact, there were no prescriptions written on the pad. And it's like, yeah, because you don't need to <laughs> yeah, until you bring it to the pharmacy. Because she pulled the last one off after <laughs> she wrote the fake prescription. <laughs> so exactly. Is this, you don't just write it before. You yeah. know, it depends on if it's convenient to go in this you know, yeah. pharmacy. This is just a magic notepad where you, you write the prescription you want and they give it to you? No, but yeah. this was back it's in the, the doctor's Bef right right now they have it. It's like a electronic um, system. They have more now. Yeah, I remember because I I uh, I had uh, some some procedure done on my foot and I needed a couple pills over the pandemic. Yeah, and they had just so Courtney hooked you up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She forged the note like when my mom used to forge used to forge your signature for when I was late. So you needed some roofies during that lockdown. Yeah, yeah, I needed some roofies. No, I needed some like hard pills, like pain okay. pills or something. Got it. But now there's like an electronic system, so they you know they it's all logged in some big database now. So these are the days the running gunning shit that Courtney was doing. Yeah. You could just like. Make it write anything, and as long as it's a legitimate doctor that they can trace it back to, uh, sometimes they'd call though. Then you'd have to have you could put a fake phone number on there though. So, this was some kind of printed notepad that had like the what do you call it? Yeah, it's it? like the doctor's name on it, and yeah. then yeah, you it. just write the prescription and sign it as the doctor. Exactly, that's how I mean, it's always been done until literally for me, it's like such the a last couple system. years. Yeah, yeah, um, when I was even in New York City. I mean, seven years ago, I was getting written prescriptions that I really? took to the yeah. pharmacy. Yeah, it's nutty. Um, April, you had, so you had your own notepad. Yeah, okay. <laughs> April but for like Tylenol and stuff. Like, yeah, you get lame shit. <laughs> Benadryl. <laughs> the next day, April eighth, Courtney calls um, some electricians to do some work at the home, which you would do as soon as you get out of 
one, a hospital for an overdose, and two, prison <laughs> or the holding cell. That's bizarre timing. Yeah, yeah. she got she got herself out on $10,000 bail and then is like, oh, we need some work done at the home. <laughs> she calls the electricians and she says to start in the greenhouse. Now, the greenhouse is the um, redone um, attic of the garage that's at the end of the driveway. Okay. Um, and that's the only room that Tom Grant was not told about. So the electrician was the one who found Kurt dead. Whoa. Why would she not mention that to the private investigator? Not only did she not mention it, the nanny didn't mention it, and the guy that was showing him around didn't mention it. So are you trying to say that Courtney didn't want him to find the body that she knew was there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the defense rests. <laughs> no, the prosecution rests. Yeah. Um, and what's wrong with this guy? You know, maybe they don't tell him about that, but if he's a good investigator, that's he's what I was walking thinking around too. like, oh, gee, there's a greenhouse right there. He, he parked in front of the garage, and he didn't even check the garage at all. So it's like, what kind of a private investigator are you where this you're not guy, like, let's, let's check yeah, in there? No. Especially if he's suicidal, that could happen anywhere. There's people that hang themselves in their garage all the time. It's like a trope. Yeah. Could, could he be in on it too then if she hired him? Uh, ooh, I don't know. But what's his incentive besides just money? Yeah, I don't think he's a part of it. But he accused her, correct? Yes. Oh, really? So he's, he's dishing some stuff on like, why didn't she have me go in there? Yeah. And the electrician that found him is... <laughs> such a wacky first uh, witness to this, too, because he got in, and when he started talking to the cops, he told the cops that it looked like someone had been brushing Kurt's hair after he died. They said his, he said it looked like his hair was done in a salon after he died. What the <laughs> fuck? Wasn't his head blown off? And I thought, well, yeah. Maybe oh. it got blown up, though. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like he had a, like a blow-up or something. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, he, maybe he looked like a hair metal guy after that. Right. He looked like he was in poison. Actually, my first... <laughs> the same bands he killed off, he now looks like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The first Geener I ever heard was when I was like 13 years old, and my buddy's older brother was like... Uh, what color were Kurt Cobain's eyes? And I was like, I don't know. And he goes, blue. One blue this way, one blue that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sounds like a real like hockey goon told you that. Yeah. <laughs> At the lunch table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then making fart noises in the armpit. He walks off and then you hear him saying the same joke over to some other people. <laughs> yeah, blue that way. It's yeah, funny, we, right? We heard that one already. It's funny, right? <laughs> you told us yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I thought I read that and I was like, that's got to be the weirdest thing that someone's ever said. Like, that's the first thing you think of when you see someone with their head blown up. It's like, oh, look at how nice their hair is. Then I saw a video of this guy doing an interview and he's bald. So it's probably the first thing he notices on everybody. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably okay. like, yeah, why is this corpse got better hair than I do? <laughs> <laughs> it ain't fair. Yeah. Yeah. There was a comedian I opened up for and he's like. You know, he's very well known, but I just remember being in the green room with him and he's like, oh, these fuck it. And he's bald, like sure. completely. And he was just 
venting between shows like these fucking Hollywood guys. They all fucking have the money to, to make sure that they think people have hair. It's like fucking Travolta. Everybody is just going off about everyone in Hollywood that's actually bald. Just getting worked up. Yeah. He's, he's pulling out the last pieces of hair he has. Yeah, exactly. He's motherfucking <laughs> like Frank Lozier or something. <laughs> Which is like 90% of Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, well, we talked about yeah. that recently. All the fake hair going around. Yeah. Everybody, even Sean Connery, he was bald during the Bond days. Yeah. Really? It's all of fake hair. Yeah, it's a That's toupee. Hilarious. It's a little little thing. Yeah, they a little fake hair thing. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Burt Reynolds had one of the most famous rugs yeah. in the what? industry. They asked him on sixty I didn't know that. on sixty minutes. They're like, "How long are you going to keep wearing that rug?" <laughs> I was like, "Whoa! Wow! Yeah, Kyle, ninety percent. Wow, are bald. That's amazing. Really." <laughs> I'm wearing a rug right now. Yeah. <laughs> Into a studio with no cameras, which is weird. I want to feel the part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the aftermath, Kurt Cobain's body was cremated at Courtney's request, not his. Within, How fast? Within hours? Uh, within six days. So he oh. was around for a little bit. It's not qu- quite as quick as uh, Nairine was with William Shatner. Yeah, that was like... Out of the water into the fire, but it's still <laughs> from dusk to dawn. It was gone. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they were going to have an open casket, but it was not a part of his plans to be cremated. Open casket, oh, yeah, freak everybody out. <laughs> well, the hair looked good though. Yeah, the <laughs> hair looks beautiful. Leave the hair. It's literally just hair. <laughs> in the, in the Everything like, else like, didn't survive. It's like cousin it. Yeah, the, <laughs> the electrician steals it before they bury it. No, the electrician. Yeah, he's wearing it to yeah. the funeral. <laughs> Wait a second! Where did you get that hair? <laughs> and then for some reason he's wearing lipstick with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's really going off the rails. This guy. <laughs> uh, one month after he died, the shotgun was finally checked for fingerprints. Only partial fingerprints could be found at the time. Um, so people were like, "What's up with that?" A month? A month? Over a month, actually. Wow. To be fair, he did officially commit suicide. That's what they say. So everyone's probably just thinking, yeah, he he's the one that pulled the trigger. But that's what the death certificate says, right? Yeah, they said that he had um, a, a blister on his thumb, which proved that he did it with a, his thumb, which doesn't really make any sense. I think he would probably get the blister from the hot heroin spoon. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes did. more sense. Yeah. Way more sense. Yeah. Unless his his thumb hit like the gauge of the gun or something, because that was those are hot when you shoot them, right? But and that was his drug of choice. It was heroin. heroin. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't mixing anything else. Well, he had diazepam in his his blood as well. Okay. Well, um, he had a bad like stomach problem, so he like that was his big thing. Like, yeah. it, it it kills the pain, you know, from right. my back st- stomach issue as a kid. I had. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shooting heroin. You know, yeah, that's, that's yeah. I, I, there's a lot of things in between heroin and doing nothing, <laughs> <laughs> but he chose the heroin. Yeah. Some people make hot tea. Yeah. Some people shoot up heroin. Yeah. yeah. Some people get a, you know, Tylenol. Yeah. So being the wife of a deceased man, uh, Cordy Love inherits everything. Property, cash, royalties, custody of Francis, everything. The royalties alone. Yeah. yeah. That's that where the big money is. Blows my mind no pun intended. That 
Courtney has the royalties. She's been fighting with Dave Grohl for years over this. Yeah. She's a billionaire because of this. Well, the, she always had an issue with Dave Grohl. And she, she claimed, I heard her on Stern saying, you know, we would always make fun of Dave Grohl because he was such a cheesy, like, white guy. Like, he, you know... So they they said some of their friends were gonna die from doing heroin overdose, but Dave's gonna die doing like X sports or something, or doing like some <laughs> X games, like jumping out of a helicopter or something. But like she hated she hated him. He yeah. was square. To he her. was square. She yeah. publicly trashed him for not showing up to the um the intervention that she planned, but she didn't invite him. Nobody what? invited him. Yeah, so he didn't even know about it because he might have been. The only sane guy that could have talked he him seemed out like, of it. He seemed like the one sane straight dude that wasn't like getting fucked up. Like yeah, that. she was like, Pat Smears a drunk, and uh, everybody else has drug problems, and uh, Dave wasn't even there. And it's like you didn't invite Dave. But really? then yeah. she went on Barbara Walters' show. Yeah. And she told Barbara Walters that she thinks the intervention is one of the reasons he killed himself. <laughs> what? Yeah. What's up with She's that? She's all over the place. She's <laughs> Enlighten me, Kyle. Why would she say that? Because she's out because of her she, mind. She didn't want it to work. Yeah. She's like, exactly. the intervention, if I hadn't thrown it, he'd be alive, which makes well, no she, sense. She also got kicked out of it, too, so she's probably <laughs> she salty about that. Boot. That's yeah. pathetic. If you get kicked out of the own interv- <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that intervention, you you're starting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, another crazy thing that happened... Um, June 4th, 1994, so only two months after he died, Detective Terry, the guy who was pressed for more information than that uh, missing persons report, is murdered. What? The first Seattle police officer to be killed in nine years. So it's rumored that Courtney Love was a snitch uh, for the narcotics division, but Terry specifically. And people are asking the question, like, did he not play along with the cover-up or did he demand too much? Was he going to snitch? Who knows? Wait, wow. so are you saying she got busted with something maybe years before? So she was on like, you know, she was like, a pa- she was an informant for them. Yeah. And uh, because she had to or go to jail. That's what's it, been reported. Really? Yeah. So who isn't she killing at this time? Exactly. Because in 1997, Eldon Hoke, who was the lead singer of a punk band in L.A., publicly stated that he was approached by Courtney to kill Kurt for $50,000. He even passed a polygraph test and everything. Quote, he said, she told me to blow his fucking head off. <laughs> <laughs> Have you well, seen that interview with him? Uh, no, but That's I've, how he talks. I've heard about it. Oh, yeah, he's a nut. <laughs> yeah. She wanted me sources. to blow his fucking head off. <laughs> yeah. So two days after that was like published in the press, um, his friend said that he went for a walk with someone they'd never seen him with before. And that night, he ended up being struck by a train and killed. His death was ruled death by misadventure. Misadventure? Yeah. Wow. It sounds like a kid's movie. Yeah. The misadventure. It sounds like <laughs> El Duce. Like yeah. Choose your own conclusion or choose your own story thing or something. Choose your own demise. <laughs> yeah. So the main accepted theory. <laughs> death by train. Heroin. Yeah. Get shot by Courtney. Hmm. What do I want? What do I want? The train want? sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. I'll yeah. go to the train. Um, pretty much the mainstream accepted murder theory is by the original private investigator that Courtney Love hired, Tom Grant. Um, his website is very interesting. Still around? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. He still updates it? 
Netscape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks it's, like it was made on it's Netscape. A, it's on Prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he writes, the police immediately concluded suicide. I wasn't so sure. Neither was Rosemary Carroll, Courtney Love's own entertainment attorney. Miss Carroll was also a close friend to both Courtney and Kurt. We both knew something was terribly wrong here. After several months of intensive investigation, including dozens of tape interviews with Cobain's closest friends and family members, I reached the conclusion that Courtney Love and Michael DeWitt, the male nanny who lived at the Cobain residence, were involved in a conspiracy that resulted in the murder of Kurt Cobain. So the nanny was in on it, too. Yeah. Why? Because they're getting paid by Courtney. Is that why? Like, yeah, is she everyone giving, except Courtney is getting paid, and that's their motivation. She's giving some verbal contract, like you go well, yeah, along with this. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you can get this much money. Blah blah blah. Is, is she really that cold blooded? Because you know she seems like a, you know, a, a crazy girl. But as far as like being this vindictive and conniving, you think she's capable of that? Yeah, I she could wonder be. sometimes. Yeah, I she wonder. Was really out of it. Yeah. for a lot. Of really that out. Of, yeah, and just like. But when she's out of it, though, she's abusive. I've, Kurt was, like, out of it, but he wasn't, like, going after people. She was, like, punching people from in, like, other punk bands in the face yeah. when she's on oh, heroin. Yeah. <laughs> and in her own band, somebody died under suspicious it, from circumstances. Hull? Yeah. Really? In 1994 as well, I believe. Ooh. Really? Yeah. And she, apparently these days, she'll talk about Kurt Cobain's death till the cows come home. Yeah, but not this But person. if you mention her band member's death, she's like, shut up, I'm going to sue you. Yeah. Really? So I don't know if there's, you know, any smoke I, there. Because but... I think the band Holt didn't really get big until after Kurt died. Um, because I the, the first album was great. Um, but like, I think that person you're talking about died before they got like big. Yeah. Well, when Kurt was on tour with Nirvana and he went through, um, Rome to get medical treatment, Courtney was actually on tour with Hole as well. They were just starting to blow up around that time. So it was right at the end of his life that they really started. You're right though. It's like right at that time is when they were blowing up. Yeah. Um, and later Billy Corgan wrote all the songs for Celebrity Skin which was their most which is the follow-up celebrated album. Yeah. yeah. Live Through This, I think, was the first one. Yeah. So Tom Grant, he has things listed. Here are some of the things you were never told. They found levels of heroin that are three times the lethal amount um, in Kurt's body. So that's another reason that they're like, how the hell could he even function? Never mind. Put the box down, put everything in it, and then pick up a shotgun and blow his own head off. Well, his plan was allegedly based on their you know, their theory here is that he was going to do a lethal dose of heroin and then blow his brains out. And then he was able to do that after doing a lethal dose of heroin. Yeah. That's very hard to believe because heroin users, they're addicted to heroin because it makes them feel euphoric. Yeah. It's not the moment a lot of them are going to blow their head off. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird moment. And like you said, though, that is a thing I've heard of a lot that also... In his state, he wouldn't have been physically able to. Yeah. Yeah. There was one doctor that gave a somewhat, uh, I mean, believable theory to me. He said that, um, you know, a lot of the times with a suicide like that, with a shotgun blast of the head, there, people are going to bleed out a lot. Um, and if he took it right before he did it, then the only blood that they're going to find is in his heart. And that's where the most concentrated amount of drug is going to be. Ah. So they think that it, the drug may have pooled in his heart instead of being dispersed throughout the body and they would have gotten a, a more diluted 
count. Okay. So if they checked his like fingertips, it would have yeah. been a different amount. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here are some of the things you were never told by Tom Grant. Courtney Love was facing a divorce, which we covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone was using Kurt's credit card after he died. So he, his body was found on April 8th, but the coroner concluded that he was dead from at least April 5th. Um, one of Kurt's credit cards was missing when his body was discovered, the same one um, that Courtney canceled. Someone was attempting to use the missing card after Cobain died, but the attempt stopped when his body was discovered. Oh, so Courtney was nearby, you think, and she was just using the card? No, she was definitely in Beverly Hills at the hotel getting But that was the alibi, like, yeah. Yeah. The um, electrician shows up with a fur coat. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't lot, know what happened. And a big wig, like an <laughs> yeah. 80s rocker fro. <laughs> Wait, so uh, do they know where the card was being used, or was that... No, that was the thing. There was no location. It was only names of businesses, uh, which was like Delta Airlines and like um, generic. Yeah. Shit. And you gotcha. can't find yeah. the location where. No. Yeah. Because no. now you kind of can, but not really. You, yeah. Like if you look on your statement, like you can Google the charge and stuff and maybe find it. Yeah. Sometimes it'll say the city and state. Yeah, exactly. But that would tell you a lot. Yeah, it would have told you the city and state before, too, um, in the 90s, but. After you cancel it, it would only show the negative charge with just the company name, not the location. Gotcha. Hmm. Um, He also says Cobain was in fear of his life, which we covered. The shotgun found at the scene was purchased before Cobain left for rehab, not after. Um, The shotgun was fully loaded with three shells. It was purchased and loaded for protection, not suicide. The police claimed there were no legible fingerprints on the shotgun, but the truth is the shotgun wasn't even tested for fingerprints until May, one month after Cobain's body was found. Yeah. What kind of fucking shitbag operation are they running up there, the Seattle (laughs) Homicide Department? People also question the suicide note that was left. Um, There was a hastily written note. It looked like it was written very fast, um, but it looked like a letter that he was... Uh, writing to his fans about retiring from music, not from killing himself. And at the very end, it's written in somewhat different handwriting, in all caps, to Courtney, please go on without me, and to Francis, I love you, I love you. You think it could have been repurposed in order to make it look like a suicide note? The official handwriting analyst at uh, the Seattle Police Department said that it's all written by the same person, but they've had other people who looked at it and were like, yeah, this appears to be a different handwriting. Well, clearly this, hmm. you know, Seattle homicide or whatever, suicide department, <laughs> uh, they're, they're not doing the best job. The suicide yeah. squad. Yeah, yeah, that's what they got because Seattle's so sad. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, they need one of those. Yeah, suicide squad. <laughs> yeah. No, but also, this is the letter that said, uses the Neil Young quote, it's better to burn out than the fade away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Neil Young didn't know how to take that. I remember hearing him. Yeah, he's like, he's he's like, like well, like, that's such a statement. Yeah, of our time. Yeah, and I made it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm okay. I got I got plenty of trains. <laughs> um, Tom also brings up the three times the lethal dose of heroin, um, and he says the obvious questions: one, if Cobain injected three times the lethal dose of heroin, could he then pick up a shotgun and shoot himself? Wouldn't he have been immediately incapacitated? And the people who say like there are doctors that say if it really was three times the amount he would be unconscious within seconds not minutes Hmm. and two if cobain injected himself with a deliberate heroin overdose why would he also shoot himself in the head with a shotgun 
leaving his baby daughter the love of his life with horrific visual images to remember him by. Why not just go to sleep on the overdose and never wake up? Yeah. My problem with the suicide theory is that a guy isn't hanging out with friends and going to see Harvey Keitel's cock and the piano. But he did. I don't know if he did go. Did we confirm that? Um, I th- I think he did. If he's saying, I mean, I only read that he was. Yeah, he had plans to. All well, right. What about the pratfall he did at the rehab center? Yeah, trying to make everybody <laughs> laugh. Bits, yeah, a p- depressed guy isn't gonna do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like Roberto Benigni, he's not depressed. Yeah. Jumping on chairs. Well, he should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. He's, guys, Itali- he's Italian. No, no, we love him. We love, we we love, love you. We, we love you. No, you know what I Life mean? Life is though? beautiful. <laughs> he didn't have the pattern of a really depressed well, that, guy that's that, about that to That interview himself. I saw him in, which was the last one he did, he didn't. He seemed fine. You know, he seemed like, sh- you know, life is whatever. You know, shit's gonna be shitty, but uh, you know, I'm I'm happy with what's going on and the music we're doing, and nothing's too heavy that you can't go on in life. And that was the kind of attitude he had. So it's very bizarre to me that he just wound up killing himself like this because the interview was like from a month before he committed suicide. And Francis Bean, yeah, and his daughter, who he loves, and you know, Courtney is a pain in the ass, and she kind of sucks, but he's like. You know, over time, you can, you know, you can weasel your way out of that marriage and kind of get away from her if you really need to. Of course. That's the only reason why I give any credence to the suicide theory is because it's very suspicious to me mm-hmm. why he would he would need to kill himself. Yeah, he did go watch the piano after his dinner at the Cactus Restaurant. Uh, it was a Mexican Restaurant and bar. Well, that sounds good. We Seattle. have a couple of cactuses here. Probably not the same <laughs> chain, though. Yeah. But for real, Mexican. Oh, so a cactus. Mexican, yeah. yeah. Cactus Taqueria. It's right oh. near here. Actually, you guys have never been? No. It's, it's we, down should, the block. we should go after. I well, thought you were being a wise guy and yeah. saying we have cactuses in Southern California. Yeah. No, Eisenheimer. <laughs> I'm serious. There's a, there's a cactus. So he did go out with friends, went to the movies. He tried to pay for his meal with the credit card, but it was declined. Ooh. So then he wrote them a check, which they said was basically gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of the stories from his last days. That he kept trying to write these checks. And they're like, okay, Kurt. But then they would clear. Yeah. <laughs> they, well, for what amounts? <laughs> Whatever that costs. What, what yeah. do you write in the memo in like in like chicken scratch or taco, you know? Whatever Harvey <laughs> Keitel movies and carnitas cost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he writes that on the check. <laughs> Keitel carnitas. Yeah. yeah. He's like my mom, like a 73-year-old lady writing checks for like fucking tacos and stuff for like three bucks. <laughs> Let's be fair, though. The 90s was filled with 900 numbers, yeah. checkbooks. Yeah, Doctor Feel Good notes. My oh, mom, yeah. my mom would write a check for a piece of gum for like five cents. <laughs> <laughs> Unsolved mysteries. Tom Grant jumps on there, season nine, episode eleven, which aired in nineteen ninety six, and goes on and talks about how he thinks there's a big cover up and it was a rush to judgment and people should be investigated. Really, but then Robert Sack was pretty much just like. And they're not opening it. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not going to follow through with this. You know, I, I'm going home. I'm going to get hammered back in my house. And yeah. like, I, had, I don't have time for this. But it know? was the main story of that night, and they gave it a good amount of time. And, you know, obviously nothing came from it. Great show. Yeah. Classic, obviously. But if you think about it, that's kind of a hard premise to sell. 
literally every episode, they're not going to solve it. Now, it, unsolved mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like us, like burying the lead when we start this. We know the guy is dead or girl is dead. Whoever we're covering, you know, we know where we're going here. We don't know who killed her. And then at the end, it was always, we still don't know who killed her. Yeah. <laughs> didn't they give a 1 800 number at the end? Like, if you know anything, give us a ring. Yeah, I think they <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Once in a while, they would do an update. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, a. It turns out it was the neighbor. Yeah, <laughs> and then America's Most Wanted. He, you know, he did his own thing. Oh, yeah, was... They'd actually try to find the people. Right. Yeah, they'd be more active in yeah. trying to locate them. So, 27 years after his death uh, in 2021, which is last year, the 10-page FBI file on his death was released to the public. And essentially, they stated that there's no jurisdiction for them to investigate unless a crime has been committed, which would be up to the local authorities to determine. And obviously, the local authorities can't be bothered. They're just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. And that's pretty much all we got at this point. It doesn't seem like Seattle will ever reopen the case yeah. as a murder. Um, Step aside, Robert Stack. We're, but, uh, we're yeah. leaving you in the same place <laughs> you would have, okay? But yeah, there's a lot of unsolved mystery about this there's a lot of unanswered questions um there's a lot of answered questions that point to certain things but maybe it'll it's be all a, speculation and hearsay courtney love specifically is the biggest beneficiary but no one could really fill that void you know the, that, her hole yeah how about Kaitel schlong huh? <laughs> hey kurt get over here and eat my void <laughs> it's too big <laughs> do what's my other option <laughs> <laughs> she Get gives him shot a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, if you have two options, one is listening to Courtney and uh Yeah. You know. In two thousand she sold the house for four hundred thousand dollars. Nice house. Very what? nice house. Could have probably got a lot more money for it. Probably but... worth four hundred million. Now. Yeah, exactly. But she's got four hundred million. Yeah. With the catalog that yeah. not the whole catalog. I heard she had to sell out sell off part of it uh, a couple of years ago she did. in order to get some money like but she still was paid a shitload yeah. for it. Yeah. No, no. She's burned. Well, he blew Everybody. Yeah, she wasn't very liquid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she did take ingest a lot of liquid. Hello. Everybody's selling their catalog these days. TV I know. Next. Everyone's broke. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. All these rock stars are just burned through all their money. So what's her motivation? Let's get right down to it. If she she was going to lose everything. She wouldn't. Why? Because she has a kid with him. Why would she lose everything? She knew he wanted custody. She knew he wanted a divorce, and she knew that he wasn't going to be making much money anymore because he and, was retiring and no longer helping her with her career anymore. Yeah, and exactly. she wouldn't have that. And he would be dating some other girl who would be the new it grunge rock star girl. Yep, and not her anymore. So it helped her to be the grieving grunge widow. That yeah, in every way possible. She She's benefited asking. way off. Yeah, yeah, she became. She got an Oscar. Yeah, she didn't, but she. Oh, she got nominated for an Oscar. No, she had Oscar buzz. Oh, just yeah. buzz. And she had a real buzz too. Go on. She was drunk. <laughs> 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 she was drunk. <laughs> yeah. Her dad's a real piece of work. Did you see him in the documentary? No. Her dad was like, "I told you know that." You know, you know what to get the hell out of here when she was 16 years old. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, Damn, this guy's cold blooded. Her dad thinks that she killed him. Yeah. If she wasn't involved with his death, at the very least, she benefited a lot from it. 
Yeah. And basically became a crusader against free speech in the process. Oh, did she? Because she would shut down any journalist that questioned her. And as she became a part of the Hollywood establishment with Milos Forman movies, basically, Larry Flint and Man on the Moon, she just... She had the biggest ego and could shut well, that, that's all what, the smaller ants down. That's what Kurt hated. He hated the Hollywood thing. He didn't want to live in L.A. He hated that, you know, she's living there now, and she got this big Lexus. He hated all that shit. He wanted as little as possible, so as little attachment so he could focus on his music. And they just wanted two very different things. Yeah. Yeah. And she obviously embraced it. Yeah. But... That's also one of the funniest uh, SNL sketches on Weekend Update. Norm MacDonald, he's like, all right, please welcome Courtney Love. There's some Oscar buzz for your new role in uh, Larry Flint where you're playing a a drug addict. Yeah. How did you prepare for the role? And then Molly Shannon's just like... Like I don't know, and then she like falls off her chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the uh, Courtney Love there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's, uh, she's crazy. And then she gra- pulls him in to make out with him. Yeah, and then suddenly she starts hitting him. Like, get off me! <laughs> <laughs> Michael Stipe said that he had a uh, he was going to help produce a demo for. Kurt Cobain and um, Nirvana as like their second album or their next album was going to be like a, a heavily acoustic album. Really? Yeah, and just be like this weird kind of experimental thing. But they said they had the songs all written, just not recorded. And he had a flight booked. He had um, a car to pick him up at the airport and take him to the studio and everything. And at the last second, he called and said he's not going to make it. Really? Yeah, so... We were denied that last album. Yeah, I think if he just took a break or, you know, you know, felt better, went to rehab, you know, just play the long game and, you know, try to get better eventually and then get back into your work and like, don't worry about the small shit around you. Yeah. And he was not worried about being too cool for school. He named RuPaul's Supermodel as one of his favorite songs. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Girl, work a girl. That's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he liked Queen. He liked, you know, something like Poppy, like, you know, 70s trash like that. I wonder what he would have thought of Rami Malek and Bohemian Rhapsody. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I probably would have hated that. (laughs) Maybe it's good he didn't have to see it. Yeah. Yeah. He probably would have been furious that a movie studio was profiting off of that music. Because yeah. he was very, he didn't want his music in commercials. He didn't want it in films. Well, that's what that's no the time when it was cool to think like that. You yeah. know, even the Beastie Boys, they wouldn't put their stuff like the '90s bands were still playing off that old aesthetic where it's not cool to sell out. Yeah, but now it is cool to sell out. Right. That's the irony there because you Cor- sell out before you even make it. Now, <laughs> not only did Courtney Love go to Hollywood, but yeah, she got all the rights and the songs were in all the commercials and Everywhere. movies. Anyone who wanted it, yeah, fire yeah. sale, come and get it. Yeah, <laughs> like when Prince died, suddenly his family released all the music <laughs> yeah. to Spotify. Everything and must YouTube. go. Yeah, it's a fucking fire sale, man. Yeah. Fucking scumbags. <laughs> so, what do we think, everybody at home, people that are listening? Leave their, your thoughts in the comments. Let us know if it was a murder, a cover-up, a little bit of both. If you want to if send, it was a suicide. If you want to send something on the sly, very secretive, email us at deathandentertainment at gmail.com, and we'll, we'll talk about it, but we'll leave you anonymous. Yes. View us on YouTube at Death and Entertainment. Spotify, iTunes, all that. Death and Entertainment. Leave us a review. 
Please. A positive one would be nice. Five stars. Five stars. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> and quote Neil Young in it if yeah, you want. Please. Exactly. Yeah. Write write our suicide notes for us. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about all we got today. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And until next time, don't go dying on us. You have just heard a true Hollywood murder mystery. I have never seen anything like this before. The movies, Broadway, music, television, all of it. A place that manufactures nightmares. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Good night. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon.